0: Led us in tonight in a great way in my life a few minutes ago to bring some affirmation and I need it. so thank you for listening to the Lord tonight I, I greatly appreciate that well I hope you've had a good day today my name is Kenny Rager and it is a pleasure to be at the Brinesburg Baptist Church and I pray that the Lord is blessing you and and encouraging you I hope that his spirit is keeping you warm because it doesn't look like the weather is going to. all right so I hope that the Lord is taking care of you and, and is doing a good work in your life. And I want to tell you, I'm having a great time with y'all's church. And this is a great, a great church and what God's doing. And as Brother uh, Brad mentioned earlier, we apparently we have some sister churches here. So we, we welcome you tonight. So glad that you're with us tonight. I see Brother Scott back there and, and glad, to him, glad to have him here and his family here tonight. And uh, glad to have Brother Mark back with us again tonight. Some, some wonderful folks that are here, and, and God bless you all. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, I want you to turn to the book of Revelation chapter 22. This is not a hard one to find, okay? You just go to the very end of the Bible, all right? This is not a hard spot to find, Revelation chapter 22. You heard me reference this um, in the last couple of messages and thought I'd share a little bit about it with you tonight. Uh, we have four children, Gracie, Hope, Joy, and Nehemiah definitely not preacher kids, right, with that kind of name, Grace Hope, Joy, Nehemiah. Gracie's our oldest, and a few years back ago, Gracie was diagnosed with scoliosis, it was pretty severe scoliosis, and um, she had uh, two curves, almost 90 degrees on both of the curves, and, and we spent, um, just a few weeks ago, we spent about three weeks straight in the hospital, and my daughter went through three pretty serious surgeries, one, one a week for three weeks, and um, and, and we stayed there, uh, me and my wife, we stayed there at the uh, Norton Children's Hospital there with her the entire time. And I just want to say, first off, I want to praise my God because he He got her through that amazing. And, and she's doing great. She's up walking around the house. And we just praise God for that. And uh, and we had a peace over us, Mother Brad. And, and I had some people ask me, you must have been a nervous wreck when you're up there. And I, I have no other way to explain this except there was a peace over myself and my wife and my daughter my daughter never cried one time in the hospital except to the very end because they weren't being fast enough to let her leave and that was that was i promise you that was the only time she cried she said i just want to go home now and we were waiting for discharge and, and god brought us peace and even though it was man it was crazy uh we we slept on that um is it a couch i don't know what it is you know it, but it's like up against the window And um, you can kind of un-Velcro like a cushion. And my wife's head was here, my head was there, and and it was just not fun, you know. And uh, just no other way to put that. We were in a total of six rooms while we were there in the hospital, uh, landing between ICU and a room. And and on the the third ICU room, they were really nice. They, They were bringing in like an extra recliner for me. But the third time we were in ICU, the nurse said, we're real sorry, but we're out of we're out of the we're out of the nice recliners. Um, here's a rolling computer chair you can sleep in tonight. And um, well, there was a rolling computer chair, but not a lot of sleep that night. My wife got the nice recliner, but but I want to tell you something. We we just praise God that He got us through it. But I learned something. I learned learned a lot over the last month. I really have learned a lot over the last month. But one thing I really learned is that there is no place like home. I'm telling you, there's no place like home. I have never appreciated my bed more than ever in my entire life. There is no place like home. And I want to tell you something tonight, you know that, there's no place like home. Did you know tonight that if you are a born-again Christian, that if you have Jesus in your life and Christ is in your heart and you have been saved and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and Jesus is in your life, you may think you're at home, but I got news for you. You're just passing through. Home is coming. You're not home yet. You don't know this yet, but you're sleeping on a Velcro couch in a hospital right now. You just don't know it. But one day you're going to see, one day you're going to discover that there's a, that that the real home, the real home is waiting for you. And it's going to be really awesome. There ain't going to be a, there's not going to be resting on a nice, you know, temporative bed or anything, but you're going to be resting in the presence of Jesus. And it's going to be absolutely wonderful. What I would like to do tonight, if I can I would like for us to look at what that one-day home will look like. What will heaven be like? Is that all right if we study that tonight? What will heaven be like? Who will be in heaven? Who are the folks that will have heaven as home? Well, let me go ahead and just spoil that one for you. Only those that are saved by the grace of God will get to experience it. That's the only one. But I want us tonight to look at Revelation chapter 22. This is the Apostle John who sees this vision on the Isle of Patmos, and he gets just just a little peek of what it's going to be like. A little peek. Imagine here's the curtain that's just blocking it, and the Lord just lets back a little bit, just a little bit, for John to see. And he records his vision of what the new heaven and the new earth will look like. And I want us to look at it and be encouraged by it tonight. That this is the true home for the believer in Jesus Christ. Let's stand to to honor God's holy, infallible, and errant word tonight. Revelation chapter 22, starting in verse 1. John is speaking in the first person. And this is what he says. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of her tree were for the healing of the nation. And there shall be no more curse everybody just say amen on that there shall be no more curse but the throne of God and of the lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him and they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads and there shall be no night there and they need no candle Neither light of the sun. And here's why. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever. Amen. Father, thank you for the word. May you bless it tonight. And I pray for the one Lord tonight that, that does not have their reservation in heaven. But I pray tonight that they will, they will get their reservation in heaven. And Lord, for the believer that needs encouragement tonight, may you remind them that this is not home, but there's a better home waiting for them. And me pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat. John sees this beautiful picture of heaven. And, and actually, we, when you get down into it, this is at the very, very end. We're not going to go too deep into this tonight. But here's what you need to know. There, One day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And what John is seeing, he is seeing the future. He is seeing uh, the final resting place of those that are in Jesus Christ. And he describes it and it's beautiful. There is, there is, a, there, there are, a tree, the tree of life is there. There's, there's a river flowing down the middle of the street. And it's a place of worship. It's a place that, that, that there is no nighttime. There is no darkness it's there. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. You know, I hate to break this to you. I know some of you all are, are country folk and you don't like the city. Listen, listen, okay? Heaven is not described as a big acreage place with a little cabin out there. It's described as a city. Now before you say, uh-oh, all right, We ain't talking Louisville here, all right? This is going to be a city that you love. It's going to be better than anything you can ever imagine. It's going to be wonderful. And I'm going to tell you something. You ain't going to have no problem with city life in the future. It ain't going to be a problem. It's going to be wonderful and beautiful. And it's going to be better than you can ever imagine. But... Only those with a reservation, get in. Only those who have a spot reserved for them are welcome in to the eternal, everlasting dwelling place called heaven. Just those that are born again. Just those that are saved. Well, Kenny, what do the saved have to look forward to? What do the born again have to look forward to in heaven? What is waiting for the Christian in heaven? Well, I'm so glad you asked tonight because I want us to look at it. Number one, I want you to see that the saved, the born again will be in a place of life. In a place of life. Look at the text. And he showed me a pure river of water of what? Life. clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bear twelve manner of fruits and gilder of fruit every month. And the leaves of their tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. Now look at the picture that John paints for us in heaven. It's it's a city, and what's in the city? There is a river in the city, and it's flowing. And the Bible says it's as clear as crystal, and it's flowing. Now, interestingly enough, it's flowing in the middle of a street. Now, I don't know why the Lord puts a street right in the middle of heaven with a river right in the middle of the street, but that's how John sees it, and that's the way it looks. And, and, and imagine this, on, on both sides of the river street, does it look like the canals in Venice? I don't know. We'll find out, won't we? But it'll be flowing, and, and on each side, down that street, is the tree of life. Now, what is all that about, the tree of life? Well, you've got to go back to the very beginning of the Bible. Remember the Garden of Eden? Um, They are, Adam and Eve are encouraged to eat of all the trees in the garden, especially the tree of life, brings healing, hope. They're not supposed to eat that one tree which they did and we're still paying for that today, right? Uh, What does it mean that the tree of life is in heaven? I, I believe this is a way, especially when it says that it produces fruit for every month and it brings healing to the nations. Well, what kind of healing Happens in heaven. And why does the the tree bear fruit every month? Let me just answer. I don't really know. But can I tell you what I think it means? I think it's a way that's telling us in heaven there's just no pain in suffering. There's always healing. There's always life. That's what that means, probably. Um, No death no sickness no scoliosis no cancer it's a place of healing and life I think that's what that means that the river is flowing constantly feeding those trees and those trees are constantly producing life The way of saying there's no sickness, no death but also notice Notice, though, where the river is coming out of. Did you see that? Where is the river coming out of? It's flowing from the what? The throne of God. It's coming out of the throne of God. It's, it's, It's pouring forth out of the throne of God. What does that mean? Why is there water coming out of God's throne that's going down the street, that's feeding the tree of life? Why? You ready? Because life, and the source of life, and the source of healing, was never a dream, is Jesus Christ. Christ is the source of life. And here it is in heaven. You just imagine the picture of the throne gushing forth living water. And the, th- and the and the trees blossoming. And you look up, and the reason there's no sin, the reason there's no death, is because King Jesus is there. Christ is there, and it's a place of life. Unfortunately, we do not currently live in a place of life. We live in a place of death. Everything around us is constantly dying. How many of y'all had to go cover your plants up tonight? All right. You know why? Because we live in a world of death, right? Everything's dying. Somebody rightfully said the moment you're born, you start to die. There's truth in that. There really is. Um, the, The stats are in. I checked it to make sure it was still accurate, but I... I went to the Barna Research Group to make sure the stat was correct. It was, as of about three o'clock this afternoon, it is still accurate that one-in-one one people still die. They still die. Everybody dies. Uh, the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. There's a one on one chance tonight that your heart's gonna stop. the Brad, the other pastors in this room, at free funerals of people of all ages. And we'll be the first ones to tell you you ain't going to get out of that unless God comes back and raptures his children. But you're going to die. That's what's going to happen. But when you think about all the death that we are constantly surrounded around, why do we experience the death and the suffering in this world? It's because the world is broken. It's because we have sinned and rebelled against God and God's created order has went into nuts because of sin, that's why, but when you look at all the suffering and pain that we go through in this world, roughly what, 70 to 100 years for some, some get a lot shorter time, but if you think about it, the suffering and the death that we deal with on this earth is only a drop in the bucket to the amount of life that It's just a little bit. It's a moment in time. It comes, and guess what? It goes. But if I could be very honest with you, though heaven is a place of life, life does not start in heaven. Did you know that? You don't get eternal life when you go to heaven. Did you know that? Life begins the moment you value me to the Lord Jesus and you admit your sin and you believe that Christ has died and rose again and you choose to follow him life comes right now so some of you all listen, you are surrounded by death tonight, all over you and you're going to one day be in a place of eternal life but can I tell you something really encouraging if Jesus is in your life right now you're really alive in a world of death so first The saved will be in a place of life. Number two, the saved will be in a place of worship and service. Of worship and service. Look at at verse 3 again. Look at the, the, the second part where I left off. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face. And his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Notice what happens here. They are, those that are in heaven, those that are in the presence of God, they, they stand before Jesus and they worship and they serve him for all of eternity. And isn't this wonderful in in, in the power of Christ and the illumination of Jesus? There's no nighttime there. There's no nighttime. Jesus lights up the whole place. Imagine that. There's no, he is so bright, I don't even think there'll be a shadow there. Now wrap your brain around that. What does that look like? That Jesus lights it all up. But I want you to understand something really, 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 really important. And it's found right there in verse three, and I don't want you to miss it because it's really, really, really important. See how it says in it? servants shall watch. Servants. Now I don't know how many of you have a picture of heaven in your mind that was given to you by Hollywood or by Renaissance paintings. I hate to bust the bubble tonight. But heaven is not going to be you on a cloud in a diaper playing a harp. And I think every one of us need to say, praise God for that. All right? That's not what heaven's going to be like. Actually, the scripture said that his servants shall serve him. Sometimes our, some southern gospel songs, I'll be very, very careful how I say that, almost paints heaven as a place where you just go to retire and you kick your feet up and you're just gonna hang out forever apparently in a diaper and a heart but that's not what it says you'll be a servant of god if you're saved it? continually serving god throughout all of serving God. Now, what does that look like for the grand scheme of eternity, of continually being in service of God? Something to do. Can I go ahead and answer that for you? I don't know. I have no clue, Brother Brad. But we will continually serve God. The light of heaven. We'll serve God. We'll have responsibility in heaven. We'll do stuff in heaven. And I'll just go sit around playing Will be servants of God. I don't exactly know what that's like. Will we get to explore the universe in the name of Jesus? I don't know. I don't know. But understand something: if you don't like being a servant here on Earth, what makes you think you're going to like being a servant for all of you? When you especially read C.S. Lewis' writings, he talks a little bit about heaven in a few of his books, Near Christianity and the Problem of Pain and a few other books. And he makes a compelling argument that heaven, heaven is not about the stuff in heaven. Lewis writes it. he talks a lot about it. It's about the who. Of heaven. The who of heaven. I heard the old preacher say one time that even... If heaven was cold and knee deep in mud, which it's not, but if it was cold and knee deep in mud, I would still want to go there because Jesus is there. That's the jewel of heaven. You ever wondered for a minute why the, the streets are made of gold and the bricks are jewels? You walk on gold. It's like asphalt. Why are there jewels? They're bricks. When I proposed to my wife, I gave her a diamond ring. I didn't give her an asphalt ring. Didn't do it. I didn't give her her a gold ring, not an asphalt ring. Why do you walk on gold? Why are the bricks and the building materials jewels? You ready? Because the true treasure of heaven is not the streets of gold. It is not the bricks of jewels. It is King Jesus. And if you don't love Jesus here on earth, why in the world do you think you'd love him there? See, the the key of of heaven is Christ. He is the jewel of heaven. And we begin by serving Christ now. Right now. And when we are servants of Jesus right now, heaven's going to be beautiful. Because you will continually serve Christ. Worship Jesus. You like serving Jesus, man. You like serving Jesus, man. I hope you do. It's a sign you're saved. If you don't like serving the Lord, it's a sign you lost. If you don't like serving, it's a sign you don't know. Him. So. Heaven is a place where the saved will experience life. It's a place where the saved will worship Christ in His glory and will serve Him forever and ever. But number three, this is very, very important. In this place called heaven, the saved will never, ever experience what is outside jump down. We didn't read it, but jump down to verse 14 through 15. Look at the vision. He, 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 he expounds on it more. Look what John says. Look, he's, look what he, he tells us. Blessed are they who do his commandments. They may have right to eat of the tree of life. And may enter through the gates of the city for without our what? For without our dogs sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters whosoever whoso ever loveth and maketh alive we're given a comparison where heaven is full of those that worship God and serve God and honor God and love But outside of the heavenly sea is the darkness. Heaven is full of light, but outside it's dark. Outside are those, inside are those that are redeemed. Outside are those that are in their sins. Isn't it interesting, this is a picture of hell, by the way, that people are simply described as the sin they committed on the earth. Could it be that those in hell outside of the heavenly city have got what they've always wanted? God let them have what they wanted, their wickedness. God let them have it. They chose a life without God. And as a result, now they are forever identified, forever, as a stranger and an enemy of God with no hope, no hope for reconciliation, forgiveness, no hope, forever isolated from the heavens. That's just one picture of hell. There's a lot of pictures of hell in the New Testament. Of fire and suffering. But I but this one, Brother Martin, gets to me. It really does, for whatever reason. That those in hell are continually identified as the dirty things they do. But the ones in heaven are identified as things. They do. Oh man. Why is that? That Jesus is the only one to make this clean, it clean, and when we're outside of Christ, there is no clean, there is no forgiveness. Forever you lay in your Forever you lay in your Oh, friend, if you know Jesus, you don't, have you will never. Because you are with Christ in a saving relationship and you have communion with God right now for the schedule He's with you. And the great thing about that is is that He's not going to leave you. Isn't that great tonight? He's not going to leave you. He will forever be with you even so much that when you bite the bullet, when you die, when you kick the bucket, He's still gonna be with you. You're gonna go in His presence one day. You're always, always, always going to have a relationship with Jesus forever. Talking okay, this heaven and hell stuff, I man, it's making my brain spin a little bit tonight. A place of life a place of worship and service how good do I need to be to get to heaven I said nothing about the good being in heaven now wait a second can you talk about the people out in hell and how they're identified by their sin surely it's the good people that get to heaven I never said that tonight. I said what the saved people I said that over and over tonight I said the saved people because the truth is are you ready Every time, every time we go on vacation, my family goes on vacation. Every time. If we get a condo or we get a hotel or something, I gotta have a reservation. Have to. They're not gonna let me in. And in order to get a reservation, I gotta pay a price. You gotta put some money down. You gotta pay for it. Well, how much do I gotta pay to get in heaven? Here's the deal, you don't got enough. You don't have enough. You are busted broke. You are. You don't have enough. Your church membership's not enough. Your baptism's not enough. Your good deeds aren't enough. Because you're separated from God because of your sin. You are too poor to get to heaven. You really are. Kenny, how am I saved from hell and my sin? I don't have enough money to get in. Well, my friend, heaven's too costly you. It just be don't know how to tell you. You just don't have enough. You just don't. You didn't make it better. I'm so sorry. But here's the good 2,000 years ago, God became flesh he knew how poor you were, And he went to this earth. He literally left heaven. Heaven came down, right brother? He literally left heaven, became man, locked himself in time and space all of this immorality around him. He proved who he was. He lived a spotless life. And yet he went to the cross Nailed, and whipped, and beaten, and suffered, and he died. Why? To pay for your sickness. And on the third day, God raised God the Father raised God the Son from the dead, and He is alive today. Amen. He's alive, and He's bodily alive. When you get to see Him, you can touch Him. He ain't no ghost. He's bodily there. He's physically there. And here's the deal. He holds the ticket to heaven, the reservation to heaven, in his tomb. There's nothing you can do. Nothing. You must admit how poor you are spiritually and understand and believe that he's alive and he pay paid on you are you ready? you must freely boy it takes a lot of humility doesn't it brother Brad to admit we can't do it it's a lot to swallow doesn't it that we can't do it on our own but that's the only way in it's the only way in that you know that Christ is the If you don't love Jesus you now, you're not going to love Jesus anymore. You're not. It begins right of placing your faith in you. You Have you freely received Do you know that you know that you know that you have a reservation in heaven? Do you know tonight that your name is written? Brother Brad, if I didn't know, I was saved. I don't know how I could ever get in the car. I don't know how I could ever lay my head down at night without some form of anxiety or fear that I'm not going to wake up tomorrow or I'm not going to make it home. But this ain't home. <laughs> home is waiting. It's a different story. So have you been I wasn't originally going to preach this tonight. The Lord really messed with me on the way up to My preacher did not know what I'm talking about when I say Really, next. So I believe someone tonight. But you know? if you know? if you know? Heaven. I want you tonight to bow your head and you close your eyes tonight for the bride to come or musicians to come. I was seven years old when, when Christ came into my life. It was nothing I did nor anything that I would do paid for heaven. It was Jesus. It was the shed blood of Christ. That was it. But as a seven year old boy I received Jesus as my Savior. He never left me. Tonight, do you recall when Christ saved you? Do you recall when Jesus, that moment when you met Jesus, when you said, Lord, I just can't do it. I don't I don't have enough. I ain't good enough. But you paid it all, you died and you rose again. Do you remember that moment when you Said, Lord come into my life save me You remember that moment when heaven came down and glory filled your soul I needed that tonight do you remember remember when that happened if tonight you can recall when Jesus said you may not know the day or the year or the time but you can go back to when Jesus saved you I want you to raise your hand tonight to the Lord not to me not to brother Brad but to the Lord and just praise them that heaven is home because of Jesus. Can you do that tonight? Just praise them tonight. You just keep it up as long as you want. It. This isn't about embarrassing people or, or anything. This is about just worshiping God that you're saved tonight. Amen, church? It's about worshiping God that you're saved. You just worship. You come to the altar tonight if you need to thank God for your salvation. I think it will do us all a bit of good to get on our knees tonight and thank the Lord for saving us. I think it would do all of us good if we did that. But not everybody in this room could raise their hands to God because you've not been saved. Christ ain't in your life. You're outside the city. You're outside the fellowship. And God is pleading. He's pleading with you tonight to open your heart, to acknowledge that you just don't got it and that you need Him You need him. If you're in this room tonight and you've never received Jesus, He is begging you tonight to be born again. Are you ready tonight to open your heart? It's not magic words. I'm going to say this every time I preach. It's not magic words. It's not hocus pocus. It's not some chant. It's just Christ and Christ alone. Do you know you're a sinner? Do you believe he died and rose again? Are you willing to make him your master tonight, your Lord? If you're ready tonight, I encourage you to pray this prayer of repentance and belief tonight. It's not magic words, but it's from the heart. Are you ready? Pray, pray something like this in your own words. Dear God, I am a sinner. I know that I've missed forgive me of my sin I believe you died and paid the price for me I believe you rose again come into my life to save me call on them right now to save you if you've never done that call on them right now to come into your life just say his name call on them admit your if tonight you just received Christ as your Savior, and you're not ashamed. Would you raise your hand to God tonight and praise Him? You're not ashamed tonight. If Christ just came into your heart, tonight, I hear in a moment, as we sing, I want you to come out of, of, that, of, that, of that chair tonight and come find brother, brother Brad and tell him what happened. Now, Christians, tonight, if you're born again, i got a challenge for you i want you to break the ice because me and brother brad we, we have really felt that there's been some sort of wall that's been holding some people up in here, and we're going to need the believers tonight to get on their knees and intercede for the lost tonight amen and we're going to need that tonight we're going to need you to thank the lord for saving you amen and let revival break loose right here in a moment when we say if you need christ i want you to come and i want the christians to beat them to the altar praying for them and asking God to move in their own lives. Father, we thank you. So move tonight. Save the ones that need to be saved. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Oh, great song. Stand to your feet tonight.